on tonight's show. We have the rapper and activist from Digital Underground, the Vegas Dog. And now for your host, Cool Card. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, Cool Card. Welcome to Kicking It With Cool Card. Another episode in the books, yes, indeed. Episode 75, y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. Anybody who's tuning in and is new to this, I invite you to subscribe so I can continue bringing you this value that I bring to you every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube Live, man. I got great guests that come on here each and every week. I got another phenomenal guest tonight. Tonight, 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 man. We going hip-hop to politics. Listen, I'm telling you, this dude right here, he, he's, he's been around. He's been around. He's been around. He's still doing some great, great work in music and in the community. All right? So when you hear his story, it's nothing like that, I, that I've ever heard before. This is a first for me. So... Listen, man, stay in your seats. Stick around. This is going to be a real one tonight. And I hope you can get some value out of it because I'm telling you, this guy is very wise, very knowledgeable, and he's doing tremendous things. So, listen, I'm going to stop talking, start running my mouth. But he goes by the name of the Vegas Don. He's out of Las Vegas. He's he's with Digital Underground. He's toured the world with him. He's done some great things, y'all, I'm telling you. So I'll let him tell his story, and we're going we're gonna to dig a little deeper, y'all. So, yeah, let's get it. Thank y'all for tuning in once again. Let's kick it. He's an underground rapper that switched over to politics. You know, and uh, he's dynamic, you know. He is the Las Vegas Don, you understand me? See, the Don, he come from nothing. He come from nothing, zero. Vegas Don, get ready to go in here and represent for the Libertarian Party. We start looking at them booties, and they all had straw tattooed on that left ass cheek. We didn't have a great messenger. We, we, we struggled to get the message out. And I said, if I ever get in that position, I'm going to create change for police brutality, for education, for the lower income, because in politics, it's always somebody that's in the politics that got money, so they only care about people that got money. Welcome to the show, my brother, the Vegas Don. What's happening, man? Uh, <laughs> what up, man? How y'all doing out there, man? One love. I'm, I'm glad to be here on your show. Yeah, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, man. I'm glad to have you, brother. I appreciate you coming on for real, uh, being willing to be transparent and share your story and just tell us about all the good stuff that you got going on and what you're doing for the kids and the community now. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, man, you're doing God's work out there, brother. Man, well, you know, like like I said, I just appreciate you giving me the time to um, express myself and, uh, you know, and to really let, let the world know that someone like me in Las Vegas does exist, and yeah, we're here. You know what I'm saying? We're here, and we're doing it big, and just trying to, you know, just trying to create change. And I'm just happy that you have gave me this opportunity, and I like your platform. I like how you, you know, do your thing. And now it's time for me to, like, explain myself, uh, yeah. the Vegas Don, how I came to be this charismatic charismatic character per se you know yeah yeah so let's take it back man so you you, you you're from vegas grew up down the street 
tell us a little bit about that. I'm familiar with the Down the Street. It's Down the Street Crips, right? Yeah, Down the Street Crips. Yeah, yeah. So I'm familiar with all that. I used to live in Vegas for a little stint, so I'm familiar. But give us a little history about that coming up out of that and like to where you are now, man. Like it's it's an amazing story. So we'll, we'll take it time. You know, we'll go down the timeline, but give us a little backstory on coming up out of that. All right. So um, me, my mom had me at 16 years old. Um, I'm from California originally. I moved out here to Vegas when I was five years old. When I moved to Vegas, mom's, she met a slick talking Vegas dude, promised her the world, didn't have a house, didn't have nothing, was on drugs, and moved her out here, married mom. She was beautiful. She was, she could have been a model. She was so beautiful. And, and he got hold to her, promised her this big dream. and. We get out here, man. We move into all different type of projects. We on the west side, we on the east side. We just moving around. And the long story short, he was fighting her. He always abused her, beat her up. And I was like, hell, I was like in the first grade. And I'm like, you know what I'm getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to flunk the first grade so moms can send me back to LA to my pops. Yeah. So I can go there. And so I do that. You know, I flunked the first grade. All I did was sign my name on the paper, flunked the first grade. And then mom's was like, oh, so you want to go back to L.A. and you want to be with your daddy? And I'm like, yeah, I don't like that dude you did, whatever, whatever. She said, oh, well, good. That means you're going to be in the same grade as your brother next year. And I was like, oh, I'm going to school because I didn't want to, you know, I don't want my brother. So this stick talking dude used to beat on my mom's all the time. And this was going on for years, years, years. And finally, when I was about in the fourth grade, I used to tell my moms all the time, when I get older, I'm going to I'm going to kill this dude. And she just she'll tell you she was always scared that I'd be one, you know, go to jail for killing her. So he'd be known her and I get a skateboard. Wham! Hit him in the back with the skateboard and he'd he'd get mad. He'd fight me. He'd lock me in the closet when she go to work. Just uh, abusive. He used to do heroin. He's do cocaine, he's pop pills, just crazy, you know. So, you know, um, when the crack pandemic happened, though, um, before it happened and occurred, my mom sent up stabbing him like five or six times to be beating on her. She finally got tired. Right. Like six times in the car, running our running our apartment in the projects on Donna, and and we hide her in our closet. He come up there bloody, where the bitch at? Where she at? Where she at? We like, we don't know. And we never seen him no more after that till he ended up dying of AIDS from heroin use. So oh, wow. Yeah, so that, that devastated my mom after he left. Moms had to take care of us and five kids and us. Well, four kids at the time. And and us by ourselves. And then the crack pandemic happened, right? So when that happened, you know, like, well, as I know, that devastated the black and brown community. Yeah, for sure. And in dear mind, it took hold of my, my mom, the drugs, and, and then she was just, she just disappeared. She was embarrassed that she got, you know, put, hooked on drugs at the time. Yeah. And and then we were by ourselves. And I was like, damn, I'm 16 years old. Um, we hungry, we eat mayonnaise sandwiches, mayonnaise and taco shells, scraping the ice off the refrigerator, you know, on the freezer, getting right. ice, um, taking cold showers, having the power off. Um, damn, what do we do? And I was 16, my brother was 15, my three sisters were 13, 11, and 5, and we was like, well, 
we're going to have to turn ourselves into social services. And if we do that, you already know they're going to separate us. So yeah. we don't do that. I said, well, we're going to have to take a family oath. What's the family oath? One, that we don't tell our, our family because they're not helping us no way. Right. Two, we don't tell our friends because our friends gossip and tell everything and then we'll get child services to come and get us a number three. We ain't going to tell no principals and administration and nobody at school that we're doing this because they'll find out. Right. So in fifth grade, I do that. I start hustling. I say, yeah, I'm a hustle. I do that. And next thing you know, I'm buying our school clothes. Um, I remember our first meal, um, chicken wings and pizza. We were so happy from eating nothing to, wow. you know, all of the pizza. And you we still wanted. had the apartment? Yeah, I was paying that. I got our school clothes. I ended up giving me a little car, having a bug, driving to school. And the whole time I'm doing this, nobody knew this. I would, you know, I know people now, they they like, wow, we never knew this. And then my coaches, you know, I was playing basketball. I was the most valuable player every year on my basketball team. I have articles galore. I thought I was going to play for the Lakers and stuff. So I ended up getting a scholarship in the midst of me going through this. I graduate, I go to college, you know, and I'm still staying on Donna with the gangs and, you know, all of the drama and the drugs, because now I'm used to it and I'm bred and we were born, we we there since five years, six, seven years old. So that's all we know. And at it's, the time, your, your family's still together. You got all your still, still together. Yeah, we still together. We young. We don't have no parents in the house, but we actually. You know, I'm acting like the dad. My sister, till this day, say if I wasn't acting like her dad, she probably had ten kids. So, right. you know, I'm I'm telling her what to do, and and you know, and the long story short, man, I go to college. I get in some trouble in college because every weekend I come back to Vegas to slang a couple ounces and to get you know get my sister them some school clothes, buy some food, right. get them a little money. And then I break back to college and then I have me a couple bucks for my pocket. Because right. in college, you know, you be broke. You broke know? hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, wait, did your sisters and them start working or anything like that by this time? My, my sister now was still in the 11th grade, 10th grade. My brother was in the 11th, my sister in the 10th. I was in the 12th. I go to college, my brother in 12th grade and my sister in the 11th grade, my other sister in the 8th grade. And my other sister like five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, we young bucks. We like real young, and um, and so I I ended up getting in some trouble in college, and I dropped out, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna just go back to Vegas, and I'm gonna become a kingpin, and I'm gonna move my mama and all my family out the projects. So I come back to Vegas, start hustling, and I did it. You know, I I I you know move my family out the projects, and next thing you know, I catch a case. My basketball teammate, he um. I didn't know his dad was North Las Vegas police officer, and uh, mm. the whole the crazy part about it is my mom had went to rehab after like four or five years of us trying to get her to go there. She just admitted herself to rehab in Los Angeles. Right. And she called me and she was like, "Baby, I had a dream that you gonna get busted. Don't sell no more drugs." I was like, "All right, Mama," you know. And then my grandma called, and they didn't even talk to each other. My grandmother called him and was like, baby, I had a dream that you're going to get caught with drugs. Don't sell drugs. So I was spooked because, you know, they my spirit, they, my mom and grandma. Right. And, and sure enough, my boy 
from um, high school kept bugging me and asking me whatever. Long story short, um, I tell him I ain't doing nothing. He hooked up with my friend, and we we leaving uh, Miller's Outpost at the time. I don't know if you remember Miller's Outpost. <laughs> Place. Yeah, I remember Miller's Outpost. We, we leave in Miller's Outpost, and then the SWAT team come and arrest me and my boys. And then they say that when they lifted me up off the ground, two ounces of dope fell out of my pocket, and they gave me my first three felonies like that. Wow. And Yo, so, three, you said? They gave you three felonies on one shot? Yeah, I didn't even have to go. It wasn't, I didn't have nothing. You get what I'm saying? Because I told you what my mom and grandma had dreamed. So I didn't have anything. Right. So they was going to give me 10 years. I took a lot of detector tests. I had John Momick, who was one of the, who was one of the most uh, prominent lawyers at the time. And um, and he thought I was crazy because he's like, what are you trying to go to jail and prison even quicker than whatever? I said, no, I didn't have anything. They put me on a lot of detector tests, DA, Metro, I mean, uh, Northtown and and um, John Momick was like, did you have drugs on you? No. Did you have money? No drugs, no money. Y'all planted so, stuff on me. So they you planted know? the stuff on you? Yeah. Wow. And I, I passed the lot detector test. And then they gave me three years of probation. So it was I was going to get 10 years. And back in, um, I don't want to get my age, but back in, in, in 89, 90, when you caught caught with an ounce of dope, that's 25 to life. That's why... Right. Um, they changed the laws how they are now because people still were in jail for cases, nonviolent cases. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cool. So I had to get in that case. I had to um, losing all my money. And then I was like, forget it, you know. And I, I hid out for a minute, and then I went back to what I know best, which is selling drugs. And and I go to Cali. I get caught up. I get another case. They let me out, and I was on the run for 18 years. I was like, I well, said, you, so you made bail and you dip. I they gave me a DA reject. I don't know if you know what a DA reject is. That's um, that's when a DA rejects the case because they didn't have um, substantial evidence yet, okay. but they're putting their case together, so they gotta let you go, and then they refile it when they got everything together. Then you gotta go and show up to court. Wow. So when they released me, I said, the hell with it. And then I just came to Vegas and for 18 years, I was using my friend's name, social security numbers and, and, and the police would pull me over and I have a new girl with me or something. They'd get me outside the car. We'd be in the outside for two hours. They're debating if they should extradite me to California, take me to jail. The girl would be like, I'm never talking to you no more. You, you know, wow. And so, uh, you know, I go through that. And then, so finally, you know, um, at it, after that was happening, I was on the run. You know, I became a big time pimp out here. Um, I was known Floyd Mayweather, the rappers. I used to, I used to be the you, at that time fly Kush. Yeah, I used to have a Kush for all of the stars out here. So I used to go to the strip, deliver the Kush. I wouldn't even want to kick it with them. I just give them that because I'm hitting the strip clubs with my girls, checking right. them. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just work them doing what I do. And a long story short, you know, I was getting tired of it, and I just some just gave gave came above came on me one day, and I told all the girls and everything bye. They thought I was crazy, and I lost everything I had: the mansion with the stripper pole, um, the studio, everything. In two oh seven oh eight, 
I filed $1.5 million bankruptcy, lost everything I had. And then um, I, that's when I got custody of my daughter and I got full custody of her. And I was like, I'm not smoking weed no more. You know, I'm, I'm not pimping no girls no more. I'm not selling no drugs no more. I mean, I don't want her to end up like me without no father, whatever, whatever. And, and start raising my daughter. I was working, I was driving limousines at the time. I was going to college um, for mental health service right. um, and, and taking care of my daughter. And, and I was doing that. And then my, I was just, I go to California because I had to do some business with entertainment. And I put my ID on my shoe. I lose my ID because you know the ID come about your shoe. Yeah. He was like, no, you can't keep running. And I said, no, they're going to have to catch me. And then she just told me, I'll give you the money. So she gave me like five or 10 racks. And I told her I'd pay it back. I got my attorney. And then I turned myself in. I'll never forget his name was Mr. Brody out there. He was like, he was an 83-year-old attorney. He helped um, Black Panthers. His, his father was prominent in California, the Brodies. He was the first attorney that Johnny Cochran partnered with when uh-huh. he got out of college. It was partnered with him in his law firm. It was Brody and Cochran law firm. So I just, he he said, well, I want to ask you this. Before all of the attorneys I had, they was like, man, how'd you get this much dope and this and that? I don't want to hear that. I'm like, they set me up for failure. He he said, so you haven't been arrested in 18 years? And I was like, no, I haven't. He said, do you got a job? I said, yeah, I've been driving limos for three years. What else? I said, I, I take care of my daughter. I, I, I pull custody. What else? I said, and I'm going to college just my third year, and I'm, I'm going to graduate next year. What's your grade point average? I have 3.2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do. I'm going to beat your case, but I need you to give me your transcripts, paycheck stub, and the evidence that you have custody of your daughter. Screws Vegas came out there, fought this for six months. I, t- I never forget, they was trying to give me 10 years because, you know, when they caught me, I had a gun on me because I was smoking that Cali Kush and I panicked. When the police pulled me over, they my, my, they pulled us over. Like, hold it, get up. What's your name? What's your ID? And I pulled out my gun. It's like, I got a gun. And that's how I, I panicked. And, oh, you know, wow. So they were like, he, he said whatever. And so, you know, um, Long story short, man, I, I ended up was like, Lord, if you help me beat this case, I will never sell no drugs, never pimp no girls, but I will get back to my community, to families that grew up like me, drugs, violence, um, poverty, yeah. underserved communities. So that's, I was going to ask you, so that's what made you kind of... Yes, that's that's what made me... Years and, and go down a different path. I said, if you help me beat this case, because they're trying to give me 10 years, I promise you, all I do is fight for our communities. And then like six months, and never forget, on the sixth month, the, the judge said, case dismissed. People against Robert Strader, DA, are you ready? No. Case dismissed. And me and my auntie screaming. And then I just said, like, I, I've been doing what I what I said I was going to do. Yeah. People come crazy, but it's like, I just go because God, he's he just put it on my heart to, like, I just spoke with, like, 30 different kids, you know what I'm saying? And they have hot, they have um, ankle braces on, they have their own probation, they didn't get robberies, they didn't get attempted murders, all of this. And I just be like, this where you headed. Two places, 
Now, the first place is a good place for it, and that's jail. Mm-hmm. The place is going to be death. I haven't never seen nobody in the dope game, in the pimp game, in the robbing game escape either two of those things. Right. I give it to them straight and direct. I'm not your mama, I'm not your daddy. I'm like your big homie, your uncle, your brother, big brother, your bro, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to tell you stuff that I've happened to me and I've seen and nothing that I read in the book. And, and you know, and that's what, when, once I beat my case, that's what I gave my life to, mentoring. I was mentoring in the school district. And then um, Yvonne Rainey um, of the Libertarian Party, um, at the time I was doing a movie, it's called Checkmate. Right. I'll, I'll have to shoot you, I'll shoot you the um, trailer. And, okay. and so Checkmate. And I wrote it, directed, produced it, played three roles in it. And and I was like, this is tight, you know, and I had the premiere, Mr. Cheeks came, Fillmore Slim, Crazy Shock. Okay. Rest in peace, Shock G. And um, we just sold it out. It was crazy. And and the lady that was, she was, she was uh, managing at the time, she had managed YG, 40 them, helped them do their thing. And I was trying to help her, have her manage me in my rap career. And she said, I don't want to manage you. She said, I think that you have something bigger. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, your website is awesome. Everybody knows you're one of the first underground rappers in Vegas. And you've got a name out here. You work with the kids. You need to go in the political realm. And I was like, heck no. Nah. I said, I'm an ex-pimp, an ex-gang member, a thief, a robber. Right. You know? Oh, no, nah, hell no. Nah. She said, that's why we like you, because you tell us up front what you are. We don't have to find it out in the back end. Right. And six months, and next thing you know, I said, yeah, I want to be a libertarian. And- All right. Hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. Before we get into the politics, we got to double back. So with all of this, because you you didn't you didn't lay it all out on the table. This is eighteen years of on the run. This and that. Yeah. Where did when and where did you start rapping, and how did oh. you get down with Digital Underground? Because I know that was before the policy. that was I rest in peace, Shock G at his funeral. I was just telling my crew that I was on the run. They didn't even know this. So yeah. so and, you were with them while you were on the run. Yeah, I was touring. Wow. I was like. In 2000, in 2000 is when I caught my case. 2001 is when I met Shock G. I was, I, I released my first single called Living in the Negative. Okay. And it, was, it was Sin City. I mean, my first CD was Living in the Negative. My first video was Sin City. And then, so my cousin, Michael, out in Reno, was a big time promoter. And he was promoting like Too Short, um, The Loonies, um, you know, tone low, digital underground. He was like, "Yo, bro, I got this. Um, I'm got this. I'm promoting all of Reno's hip hop. You want to come and perform? Because I sent him my CD. He seen my video. How many times you perform? Oh, I've been on tour hella times, cousin. I never was, but I, you know. Yeah, you gotta say what you gotta say. He said, "So do you want to? You want to open up for a digital, or you want them to open up for you?" I said, no, nah, I want to open up right. I want to be the last group. So it was seven groups. Right. And then us. And I had my performance stuff tight. I had the straw girls because, you know, I was straw at the time. Yeah. That's why we get straw to Vegas time. My first rap name was straw. Okay. And at the straw girls, who was my, my, my girls and my crew, who I kicked it with. And so we, we go, we, we go to Reno. We the set, we the seven groups. We number six. 
I kill it. You know what I'm saying? Shock G them come and do with the loonies, do vibe on it, do Humpty Dance, all that. And then we go to the green room, smoking. I got four or five of my straw girls with me. Mm. Everybody on them, you know what I'm saying? And I'm thugged out. I'm in my Gucci gear, you know what I'm saying? And, and, um, and Shock, he like one of the girls I had just picked her up. Her name was Apple. She was a Hawaiian, Puerto Rican Hawaiian. I just picked her up from um, Olympic Garden Strip Club, and she was uh, familiar. <laughs> she was one of the dancers, and he loved her. And she brought him over to me and sat in my lap and said, "This is Shock G." I said, "What's up, Shock? I wanted to meet you." And then she was like, "And this is Straw. This is who I'm with." And and we, I gave him my CD and my business card. And so, um, like, we leave Reno come to Vegas, Shock called me like two or three times. And he like, I like number four, I like number five, I like number three. And we just talking and I'm really not knowing nothing what I'm about to tell you. So uh, a white guy that I wanted to be my agent, he called me and he said, what's going on, Strutter? And I was like, man, um, I just got off the phone with Shock. He told me he liked number three, number four, this, that. He said, Shock G called you? I was like, yeah. He said, you know, Shaq G, G called you. I said, yeah, why? What you saying? You know he discovered Tupac? I was like, what? Click up, hung up on him. Who called Shaq was like, hey, Shaq, why you didn't tell me that you discovered Tupac? Was I supposed to? Huh? And I was like, and then I said, man, he said, I'm coming out there for the Avian Awards with Exhibit. And, um, and you know, I wanna, I'm coming out there. And I said, man, can I record with you and do a song with you when you come out here? Yeah, man, yeah, I'm going to come out there. I'll record a song with you. I said, all right, boom. And he came out here, and, you know, we went to we went to the exhibit concert. And at the time, like I told you, I was giving selling Kush to everybody. Yeah. So I had, I had Bobby Brown, and then I had my chronic. So I had two ounces with me, and then I rolled up a whole Bobby Brown blunt. It was real big. And we said, when Five On It come on, and the loonies do their thing, straw. You come out with the blunt, and that was in 2003, and it wasn't legal then. You know right. what I'm saying? And so we 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 do that, and then they did five on it, and then he pushed me out there on the instrumental, and I'm just flowing. I was scared as hell. I'm flowing on the mic, and then we kicked it in the green room, and before that, I was with Money B at the Avian. It was like a porno convention, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know this. At the Venetian, and um, I met these girls, and then we. The girls wanted to kick with me, so I had like five or six girls come on stage kicking with me. We was in the green room. They was getting naked, you know, and Shockman was like, this dude is crazy. And so the next month, I was like, I got this promoter out here. I told him I want to be the first. This was like in 2002, mm. 2002, maybe 2003, maybe 2002, though. No rappers had ever performed at strip clubs in Vegas. Hip hop was forbidden down there on the strip. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so we was at Sapphires because I knew the owners from my girls. I had like four or five girls that danced at Sapphires in the Olympic Garden. It was the same owner. And we brought we brought the um, Too Short. We brought the Loonies and, and you know, and, and Digital Underground there. And at the time, I had like 10 girls. And they had the picket signs with my posters on them. And they, Shock G, that's what he was talking about when he just played that. When he said, I thought they was his promo, promo girls. And he was like, oh, anybody could pay hoes to be with them. When they found out they was my hoes and my girls, they <laughs> couldn't believe it. Like, how in the hell this dude? That's when, you were still, that's when you were pipping still. 
Yes. Okay, got you. Rapping and selling, you know, and yeah. on the run. You get what I'm saying? That's why you said they had straw in their ass. Yeah. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. Oh Tatted. wow. So you, you know branded them, bro. You branded them. Yeah, they branded themselves. You know what I'm saying? But you know, and that's how me and Digital Underground got connected and Shock just was loving it. Like he always said I was a real dude. Shock had a little pimpism in him, you know, so he understood the game and he 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 tried to calm me down and it, it's I switched from being just this full fledged crip type dude to a pimp to uh Atlanta, coming to Atlanta and turning into straight hip hop, you know what I'm yeah. saying? The crossover uh, and, and just you know, and toured everywhere with them and you know, just it was it, like I was so happy to get put in the game by Shock G and Money B and Cletus Mack, Eli, you know, Essential, Element, all of the crew. Yeah. You know, I got blessed in the game with good people and they, you know, and, and you know, rest in peace, Shock G was my best friend in the industry. He taught me a lot. He always supported me on all my things and he always used to, you know, I was a big time model and in 2003, 2004, I signed the big deal with iRiver. They put over a million dollars in marketing and I negotiated my contract with him. I was modeling with him at first and they loved Shock G. And I was like, well, we could, let's do a concert with Shock. I said, but um, I'm going to do an album. I want you to pay for my production, pay for the posters. I want you to put me on backers. I was saying in Source and Vibe magazines at the time right? and, and put me on the tour. And then they agreed to all of it. Like they gave me like 30,000 up front. They put me on tour. They put me on the back of Source and Bob. So Shock G and in New York for the perform. He called me at the airport. Yo, son, I see you on the back of Source and Bob magazine. Digital Underground never got no back page to nothing, man. I love it, man. Thank you, Straw. Thank you, man. And hung up and... And the whole crew just loved it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I always was doing something outside the box, you know, with, with my music, with my modeling, with hustling. And, you know, in my music career, it, it just was, if I wasn't so much into hustling and the girls, then I could have been where I wanted to be at. But I was too busy hustling. Shock G now thought I already had a deal. I was hustling my money. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, wow! So you're saying you think you could have gone further if you weren't so deep into the, would, to the I pimp. would have went further because Atlanta loved my music at the time. Okay, and I was touring with JT Money, and I was just I was hot to death because I had a different swag. I was from Vegas. I right. still have that swag. I'm from Vegas. We stand out. I stand out because it's different. It's, it's yeah, nothing it's different. Than California swag, or Oakland swag, yeah. but you know we we kind of blend in. So yeah. Wow, what's the one thing, you know, rest in peace and everything. And also, we gotta we gotta pray, man, because I I normally start my show with a prayer, but we jump right into it. So we're gonna we're gonna pray. pray. We're definitely gonna pray. Yeah, let's oh, pray. I love prayer. Yeah, let's pray, man. And I got a question. I wanna I'm gonna have a question for you, and then we're gonna jump into your city to city um, video too, so everybody can see. You, you know, do your thing with Shock G or whatever, but let's do this prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this moment in time. We thank you for allowing 
two brothers to come together, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and to have a good, great conversation, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and just celebrate life, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. We thank you for just allowing us to wake up this morning. We just give you all the glory, all the victory, all the love, all the praise, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. We know without you, there's none, there's nothing, there's there's not us, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, just nothing. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for what you do, for what you've done, for what you will do. Rest in peace to Shock G. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we pray and ask you to bring comfort and understanding to all his family members, friends, and loved ones, and everyone that supported him and loved him, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. We just give you all the praise, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. So what's the one thing, and I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure there's many, but what's the one thing, like the one thing that you learned from Shock G that will stick with you for the rest of your life, man? It just sticks out in your mind every time you think about it. Man, one the one thing that I remember and always will be instilled is Shock was a great man, a great person. He loved everyone. And that's, I was blessed to be blessed in the game with somebody that just had love for everyone and that's what i'm just about now you see how i am i'm i'm just about loving everyone and giving them knowledge and giving them blessings and just love and guidance yeah and he, love and guidance he didn't care if he was a bum he didn't care if he was rich he don't care about none of that he was in his own little world that just making people happy and bringing the best out of people and that's basically what i always carry with me i always remember about shock I never met nobody that was genuine like him. Yeah. And, you know, and he really loved me and supported me and my family. He ate my mom's, he loved my mom's cooking. And he came and supported everything. He He's the only person in the industry that believed in me. And I, I, I just, I miss having somebody that believed in me like him. Yeah, man. I can't say that any time that I've seen him, it's always been in a good light. It was always positive speaking, positive words. I've never seen him. You know, I mean, we, you know, brothers going to be brothers and we're going to talk how we talk in our lingo. But I've never seen him just like belligerent, arrogant, spazzing on anybody. You know what I'm saying? I've never seen anything. He was a good dude. Totally of, of that nature or, or character. You know what I mean? He was he was a good dude. I was blessed to get in the industry by a good man. So, yeah. you know, I, I miss him a lot. Um, I'm still like grieving in a sense because of it. And now the torch has passed to me. And so I'm getting ready to step my game up and go to the next level and hopefully uh, break this um, this systemic oppression that's going on with, it, with us in America and, and to break Las Vegas um, music scene and the culture and build a culture out here and, and make us get in the game like Atlanta and New York and LA. It's, it's our time. You know? Yeah, it's, it, hey man, it, it's, it's, a, it's right around the corner, brother. And just grab a hold of it and do it, man, because it's it's some talent out there. It just needs someone like you to 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 just spearhead it, man. That's it. That's do it right though, and do it right. Do it right. Not not take these kids for their money and and all that type of stuff. There's plenty of labels out there that teach the game. I teach I teach everybody how to publish their music, copyright their music, how what percentages to give um, managers. Right, percentages they should be given uh, the 360 deals. What you get when you sign a 360 deal? I give them the, the nuts and the bolts. Like, with the streets, like I give it to them with the streets on what they gonna get. I give it to them in the industry because I had to go through the hard not life and get screwed and, and all kind of crazy right. things happen to to uh, you know to get the lesson. Rest in man. I miss you, man. I he was playing them keys. He gave my little my daughter a. Keyboard, 
I just, you know, it's still unreal to me, you know. We had so many things planned. We had a we had a little um he was gonna teach teach keys and synchronizing um keys because he said that synthesizer was what you know funkadelics and what brought him into the game and he wanted to teach the kids that we we had a whole program oh wow gonna come and do it with me you know what i'm saying it's 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 crazy but yeah but it's all good man i just i miss shock a lot you know because he meant a lot to me he, he, he believed in you and I didn't believe in myself and the music um, you know what I'm saying yeah so, he's, he's, hey, he's missed by everybody you know yeah, I, people came out just showing love you know yeah he, he took me to um, never man I was so honored man he called me and he was like yo man you know I, I'm going to Tupac's premiere in Beverly Hills and you know um, I, what's up with you and I said man you, you, what's up he said, "You want to go, oh, man? I love to go with you. It'd be an honor to go with you, shop. You know." And he, I said, "But I don't know. I'm working. I have to take off from work, and I don't really. Man, I'll put you up. Just come and kick it with me, you know." And then I, me and my best friend, we, we got a rental car. He got us a hotel. We stayed next to him in the hotel, and, and we, you know, the rooms, and went out there, met all kind of stars. We was on red carpet with him. That's why if you see. It made me so sad because on TMZ, the picture with him on there is me in the background with him. Every picture when they showed a video of his last interview, I was with him. And I'm in there like, what? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And so I, who would have thought that this icon, that he kicking it with me, that, you know, he invited me out to Tupac's premiere, his boy, you know, right. he, he depressed, he was hella sad, you know, because it was his, that was like, he, he put him on. Yeah. So when he got killed, it hurt him because Shug, Shug Knight took him from, you know, told him, don't mess with them clowns because they, he thought Digital Underground was like, could they happy and shit, you know? He wanted gangsters. Yeah, yeah. And so he didn't really want Tupac around Digital Underground like that. So, um, Shaq G was like, just, he was very hurt watching that movie and, you know, and I, you know, I was there. That was just, it was a great time for me because I'd never been around that many stars. Just that whole glamour and just to see shot, everybody giving him all the love that he deserved. Yeah. You know, so. I remember you saying that he, that Shock G was saying that, you know, he saw qualities of Tupac in you. Like, what can you found on that? Like, what, what did he see? I was like crazy. I acted crazy, like I told you. you okay. Know, and this and that and then if I go to the cut I always attract girls and they come over and he said Tupac always kept hella girls like that I go over there and girls and just and that's the way girls always had deal with me they had just come and then I talked to them and then we, now we got girls come on y'all right you know, yeah and the way I used to be and that's what he he said I was crazy like him and then I had the girls and, you know and that I tell him I ain't no damn Tupac I'm Vegas dying you know and he said, no, I ain't saying you him, but y'all just you have qualities, you know. Yeah, just that energy, man. Just that energy. Yeah, that energy. Yeah. Well, let's talk about um, hip-hop uh, entrepreneurship program, because like, you started talking about that. Um, so just give us a kind of overview of, you know, what, what that's all about. Yeah, hip-hop uh, entrepreneurship program, is, um, it's, it's a program that I created. We have a curriculum, a professor out in Hawaii helped me write it. It's about my life. You know, I, um, 
I know you probably have it, but I have my book. I have my book that that um it goes along with the curriculum, and it's a social emotional learning, social science and humanities program, and we use restorative practices circles where we engage with the students and we get to know the students. The students uh, relay their problems, what they're going through, and I relay my problems or what I go through, and we get to know each other. And we teach them the history of, of, of the music. Like you say, we teach the slave contracts. We teach the Black Wall Street, how the Tulsa massacre, how it occurred and the devastated uh, Black communities, and the slave contracts, how blues singers still are preaching the same messages that hip hop artists are preaching today and how the slave contracts from, from the blues getting work to the R&B Marvin Gaye's getting work yep. to nowadays, the same things are happening in the industry. And now the youngsters, what I appreciate about them is now they're breaking that barrier and they're making the money. Right. That's what I like about them, you know? So I just teach them and where hip hop started in New York with Latinos and Latinas and African-Americans. We started the culture, it's us. It was RCNN news, the streets. That's where hip hop started. Yeah. About us, RCNN was the streets. And I let them know, because they think the baby or Gucci man or whatever started. <laughs> no, it started in New York, it was way before then. So I give them that knowledge and then let them know that you don't have to be an A student to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is a, a, a business owner that owns his own products, brands his own self, yep. um, creates a money stream, creates capital for himself on what he does best, whatever it may be. If you paint, whatever if you make clothes, if you, whatever you do, if you play basketball, if you, whatever you do best, you find what you do best and you become an entrepreneur. And you don't need to slam drugs. You don't need to rob. You don't need to kill. You just find what you do best, and I will help you facilitate that and provide services for you. And that's what hip hop entrepreneurship is about. And that's what these kids need. They just need a little understanding of it because they they see other people doing it, and they know it's obtainable, but they're they're reluctant to even try. You know, mm-hmm. because they don't know they don't know how easy it is. At least to just get started. I'm not saying entrepreneurship is easy because it's not. But just to get started, get your entity going, get your LLC, like yeah. get all your articles and all that stuff in place, get your business going. That's that's step one. Yeah. And then and start. Plan. And that, that is true. And it, it helps them to believe in their self, helps yeah. them do business. And we're the first hip hop program in America to partner with law enforcement. So I, I bring law enforcement in because I want law enforcement to know why black lives matter why the inner city community doesn't like them and agree with nothing that they do yeah and, and i give it to them up front and let the kids tell them because what better way than the kids to let them know and then that way the police officers or the law enforcement could talk to the kids and then they switch dialogue and it's never before done that they have dialogue face to face without being arrested from them. you know yeah. just dialogue face to face and get to know what what one person is thinking and what one community is thinking and hopefully to get break that barrier i've always said the biggest divide is just the lack of understanding and respect yeah you put these white cops in in our neighborhoods and they they're instantly on high alert 
because they don't understand us. They don't understand the community. They don't understand the culture. They don't even understand the lingo. So there's no respect given. There's no understanding. You know? And they're scared. They're, they're scared. Fearful. Number one, yeah, they're scared. That's what makes them shooters because they're scared and they haven't never been around African Americans and they watch what they see on TV yep. and they, they think that we're like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, that's why I really um, partnered with them too because I was like, I said, you know what? What I what I don't like is um, we you guys arresting like African Americans and Latinos and Latinas. Why can't we, you know, give them the meat before you do that? You know, give them the meat. Let me see what I could do to with them before you guys put them in prison or jail or put the ankle bracelet on. Them. And that's what that's what I'm here for to hopefully stop that process and stop the school to prison pipeline. That's what it's about, you know. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I can do that. You know, it's about yeah. That's what it's about, and it's a hard battle. Like I was telling you before we started the show, it's very depressing and whatever. But I just can't. I can't stop because God, he, he helped me. He helped me beat that 18 year case. Yeah. Now I'm giving back. And, mission. Yeah, that's your mission, man. That's your. Hey, you gotta do it. You gotta do it because somebody has to do it. You know what I mean? And you know, other do it. My son just was telling me, like, yeah, dad, now that you're doing all of this stuff with the kids, and you know, I do like every year I do a Christmas drive um, where I give food to the family, and if I can get uh, gifts, I can do that. I do turkey drives. I do East. I just did my first Easter drive because I was like, I want to do an Easter egg hunt because of my projects, they would have stole my eggs. So <laughs> we start, you know, and so we had like 50, 60 kids. It was the biggest, excuse me, Easter egg kind of I ever saw. And I fed over 100 families, um, gave them over 200 boxes of food. That's cool. It was awesome, you know. So I do like a backpack drive where I give backpacks to kids and computers when I can. And, you know, in Halloween drive, I do a Halloween where I give them candy, um, give away bikes and scooters and feed the community. Have my cousin from Cali come, you know, Taco too. He come out and, and he feeds the whole community and this is what I do, you know. And I love doing stuff like that because it reminds me of when I grew up in the projects. All, all the single mothers come up to me and be like, man, my kids. And I just be so happy for them. And, you know, I wish I could do it in a bigger realm, which is going to happen. I get a Mountain Dew or a Coke behind me. Yeah, and that's all you need, man. You get somebody behind you, sponsor that and just take it to, you know, shoot every- the moon with it, you know. Taking back the block foundation, I go to every block in America and take it back, you know, in the right way, taking it back. Yeah. The reason I do it when I was selling drugs, I go on the corner and drive up in my low rider or with the girls. Everybody come, they looked at me like an icon. Now you can look at me like an icon because I'm doing good things for the community and I'm being a, a proud black man and I love my skin color and I love who I am. I love being black and I want to inspire black men to be great and that's what i'm here yeah i saw some videos too um with you had some some young men out there rapping well is that part of the hip-hop entrepreneurship and give an opportunity to get on stage and get that get that rep in yeah i do a talent show every year and bring inner city kids to uh, perform and first place you went three songs recorded professionally with a video second place two songs third place one song 
and you feed everyone there, their families. And that's what it's about, you know. Like I said, my son, he, he said, Dad, you're doing a lot of things. Now in politics, you'll be able to win. And I said, I don't do it for politics because I don't really, politics, I'm a concerned citizen. I, don't, I wasn't born into politics. Right. I'm a political major, um, but I am a voice for my community. And I do believe that, you know, one day I will be where I need to be at and can create change for our, our communities. And, what? you know, Let's talk about you running for an office, though, because I know you we, we started to talk about that. So I, we took it back a little bit. But now let's talk about you running for office. Like, what was that whole experience like? Did you even have, like, pushback from the community? Like, ah, you selling out, you, you running for office, you doing this. Like, how was that experience, man? It was it was just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you said, it was just like that. Um, I remember being... Um, at the Pearson Center out here with, uh, with like 10 pastors from with all the ch- church pastors. And they were like, you're running for Congress? Uh, well, who do you think you are? Um, Obama didn't even do that. And I said, what? They said, Obama didn't even do that. Obama started off working with the community and this and that and this and that. And then I said, well, are you, I'm here because of God. You can't stop what God has put in front of you, right? Amen. And they were like, whatever and now that i look at it it makes me laugh because now i'm doing all of the things that they said obama was doing yeah right and i'm doing it the same way but i'm like doing it and it's like and i meet i still talk to them sometimes and they they respect me a little different but they still in their their ways but i just got love for them i'm like whatever you know and the community my friends i'll never forget my homeboys they Hey, cuz, hold on, cuz, hold on, hold on. And they put, hey, my girl on the phone, this is my first time voting ever. Man, and you know ex-felons can vote. Can you tell her that you my homie and you know me, cuz? And I'll be like, <laughs> I say, hello? Oh, yeah, 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 that's my homie, yeah. Yeah, I'm from Donna, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's me, I'm Robert Strader. You really am? Yeah, I'm Robert Strader. That's me. Yeah, he my homie. I got love for him. And give it back to him. All right, all right, man, I love you, Sam. I voted for you. Yeah, my first time voting. That was awesome. You know what I'm crazy. saying? Crazy. Crazy. It was so many, so many ex-felons that called me, and I was just so happy, man. It was like, you know, to to be like from there and 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 you know, and get that. And yeah. Like, it was awesome. Because they finally saw somebody that they could relate to. They saw yeah. themselves and you. And yeah. like, man. <laughs> we really could be that, you know what I mean? Like even a grown man could look at that and be like, "Man, we really could be that." You man. just change people's whole, you shift their whole paradigm, man. I was from there. They like he was dirt poor. Everything right. I'm saying, a hundred percent true. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, um, you know, like I'm, I, like I say, it's all God. You know, He had me. You know, my friends. I, I still, I never. That's what made Metro, the police department, like halfway deal with me because I'm they still on edge. Like he's a gangster. Who knows what he's gonna do? Right. But me and in politics made people understand how serious I am. I did it in 2018, then I did it in 2020. Now I have Republicans, I- Republicans and Democrats recruiting me. Like, man, come and be an assemblyman and come and do this. I'm like, eh, I'm doing this hip-hop entrepreneurship thing for the kids. 
But if somebody come with the right thing and have a campaign manager and the things that I need, who knows? Yeah. You know, a lot of people want me to go and right now I'm just focusing on the babies and the kids and the students and schools and um, and just partnering with whoever I can. I have Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield Insurance, they partner with me. You know, Liberty Dental, they partner with me. The school district, the Clark County School District partner with me. The county of Las Vegas partner with me. Um, Help of Southern Help of Southern Nevada um, nonprofit, the number one nonprofit in Las Vegas partner with me. So I'm just breaking barriers and um, that's love, I, man. It's hip hop, hip hop culture. Hip hop is the number one communicator in the world. Absolutely, money maker in the world. Yeah, number one money maker. In the United States, we make hip hop makes more money than crude oil or whatever you make it. We, whatever it is, number one communicator with Generation Z, the millennials, and generation after that is hip hop. So. Isn't that crazy though? Isn't that crazy that that is the number one factor, uh, economical factor in America, and it comes from our story? Yes, our that's story. What we're doing our is telling CNN. The story. Our CNN, man, it's our yes. CNN. They want to yes. know. They want to. Like I tell people, you want to be us, but you don't want to be it. You don't want to live it. Yeah, don't they don't want to live it. They want to no. like a movie, man. It's complex. You don't. You don't want to live the the yeah. parody. You don't want to live the 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 letdowns, the disgrace, the hate. Yeah, but that goes along with it. But listen, yeah, exactly. The the down. The, look, the flip side of it. They don't want to live that. But the other side of it, the the, the clothes, the jewelry, the culture, the how we move. The yeah, the slang, all that. They love it. They all their kids. All their kids love it. Let's say that. Everybody, all the kids love Japan, it. Australia, um, everywhere. That's why the protests were so big. That's what I love about this generation that we have now. They're fighters. They say we're not going to be like our other ancestors. Yep. We're fighting. We're creating change. They in Australia, in Japan, in France, in London. Everybody protesting when George Floyd got killed. Yep. And when the police department started messing with me before, fam. It wasn't messing with me. I was too too political. I was too pro-black. I was too um, militant. When George Floyd got killed and they had big protests out here, you know who they were calling. That political um, activist. Right? Yeah. So why? Because why did somebody have to die for you to mess with me? So they wanted you to go out there and calm them down is what they wanted. I mean, yes. <laughs> of course. They wanted somebody that looked like them to go out there that, that's been to the to let's say the mountaintop of where they are and you know, go out there and do their job. But not even do their job, just I don't know. Yeah. You know, so you know, that's how that's that's why I I like respect whoever and whatever, you know. Yeah. But it's like I just feel like you should you take me for who I am from the beginning. Because I'm never going to change. I'm going to be a solid individual. Because I was solid in the streets. If, if you know any gang member that know me, they're going to say that dude was solid. He was a smart gangster. Yeah. Right? And and so that's what I am. I'm just a, a smart black man that's trying to make it and deviate through the crevices to take care of my family and bring generational wealth and make black men 
understand that they can be somebody and we need inspiration, man. Black men, we need inspiration. We don't have it. That's we don't have the leaders to give them that inspiration. Yeah. So that's what I'm here for is to give them inspiration. And and um, women also don't get twisted. But for sure, I need to get them because we killing, we're dying, we're getting shot. Yep. We're getting incarcerated more than anyone in, in America. We're getting shot more than anyone in America. We're dropping out of school more than anyone in America. We're getting expelled more than anyone in America. We're doing drugs more than anyone in America. Yeah. So all those things being said, hopefully we can create change and create entrepreneurs to raise and get to the next level and hopefully um, change the, the way the world is being ran right now. You know, hopefully I can inspire like Tupac said, I might not be the person to change the world, but I can inspire the mind of somebody to change it. And maybe I can be that person that inspires that one person to change the world. And that's what I'm here for. You know, before I die, watch it too. <laughs> hey man, keep doing what you're doing, brother. You're doing great stuff. Hey, everybody, make sure you go and follow Straw. The Vegas Don. I'm, I'm gonna call you your sure. name, Straw. The Vegas Don. That's his Instagram handle, Straw. The Vegas Don. It's right there on the lower third. Make sure you go follow this man. He's doing phenomenal things. Help, man. Listen, he's reaching out to the youth. He's he's making a difference. He has his hands on the youth, making a difference. He's really doing it out there. So whenever yeah. whenever you come across somebody like that, man, you got you have to get behind him because we need that. We need that. We need more people like him. We need more people to be encouraged to be like him, to get out there, you know, because everybody knows it's needed, but not everybody wants to get out there and do the work. This man is doing the work against all odds. Trust me, we had a talk. I know what he's going through. So it's against all odds, but he's still doing it with a smile and with love. You know what I mean? And it's man. passion and it's a mission for him. So yeah, definitely, man. I want to thank you, man. Cool card show. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, have me here you know and just uh thank you thank you for for reaching out and touching and hopefully someone can see this and understand the struggle and and either participate or start it in a city and yes. inspire you to be great that's what you're about inspire you to be great no matter what color religion or whatever you are inspire the youth to be great because they are our people Definitely. If anybody wants to get in touch with you to kind of help out and volunteer with you, how can they? How can they reach you? Should they DM you? Should they email you? Should they? How would they, they DM me. They could. They could DM me on my, like you say, Straw the T H A Vegas Don Instagram, Robert Strader Libertarian, um, Facebook, Van Strader Facebook, Google Robert Strader for Congress, and just get with me on social media. Let me know, and let's make some change. You know, I'm I'm out here, my feet pounding. You know, on the pavement, uh, grinding and youth advocating, activists, and fighting for my community and to create change for the better, betterment of our community. So, you know, I just want to thank you, family, for having me on the Cool Card Show and, and um, salute you, man, for, for representing, staying true to the game and doing what you do. Now, the 76 show. So, exactly. Know. On to 76, man. We out here, you know? They have it, you know. I love y'all. You know, number love. I'm the Vegas time for life. Y'all come to Vegas. Holla at your boy. Ugh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
One more time for Shock G before we go. Shock G, man. Let you throw that love up there. Put that there in the air, man. That energy, that love for sure. Hey, man. I really appreciate you, man. You know, coming on, giving me your time, being transparent, telling your story. I, I, I pray that somebody could take this and, you know, it changes their lives, you know what I mean? For the better. So, for sure. you inspire some people. For yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Every right. Tuesday, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Kingdom Cool Card. You never know who I might have. Tune in, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a friend. All right, come back again. Kick it with your boy. We're out of here next week, episode 76. I'm not going to tell you who's on, but I'm going to have somebody. You already know. So come back <laughs> and get this value so you can grow. All right, we out, y'all. Peace and love. I appreciate you, the Vegas Don, man. Vegas, baby. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, third, let's go. We out of here, y'all. Have a good night.